When I served my first call out of college at First Presbyterian Church in Bennettsville, South Carolina, I would go during the summers to our presbytery camp called Camp PD to help out and to teach some of the campers who were there for at least a week or so. The camp director there at the time was a good friend of mine who actually went to college with me, and he would coerce me to come and help out. And as we would gather uh, in the cafeteria for the lunchtime, uh, Dave would yell to get the kids' attention. Of course, they were all excited about being there and what they had been doing. But he would yell out and he would call out this phrase to get the kids' attention. And he would say, God is good. And the campers would respond to Dave saying, all the time. And then Dave would say, all the time. And the campers would respond, God is good. This was the call and response every time they would assemble in the cafeteria uh, to get their attention, but also to affirm the goodness of God. And this would be the call and response before the unison prayer that the campers would pick out to pray for their blessing of their meal. And I can assure you it's very important at a camp like that to bless those meals because I've eaten them and thank God I've survived. Now, maybe you've heard this phrase said before that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. This is really the centrality of our Christian understanding, the theological grounding for our framework of who God is. And we know this to be true because of this special revelation we have of who God is in the scriptures to us. A God who loves his creation, a God who creates us out of freedom and love. A God who, despite our sin, continues to pursue us and care for us and reach out to us, even to the point of coming to us in Jesus the Christ, the incarnate God. God with skin on so that we can see God face to face and that we can know God, follow God, and seek God's will in our lives. In fact, Jesus himself acknowledges the goodness of God When he was approached by a young ruler in Luke's gospel who calls him good teacher. And Jesus responds to him by saying, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. The truth is we cannot know what good is apart from seeing goodness defined by God's actions towards us. So as we continue our sermon series entitled The Road Less Traveled, we read Jesus' words today that remind us to trust in the goodness of God above all else. Last week, we studied the Lord's Prayer together and talked about the importance of embodying the kingdom life of forgiveness. And this week, we turn to Jesus' words that encourage us to pray to God. Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Here Jesus encourages his disciples to pray to God the Father. He desires that we ask, seek, and knock. We call this intercessory prayer, praying for the needs of others and also for our own needs. 
and his words seem to suggest a progression of sorts. You see, asking is something that anyone can do. It's easy to ask for something, especially to ask God for something, and most of our prayers focus on asking God for what we want God to provide for us. But seeking, seeking is more than merely asking. It requires us to dig in, to take some responsibility in searching for the Lord. Now, if we lose our wallet or our car keys, we can certainly ask God to help us find them. But if we don't get up and actually search for them, they won't magically appear in front of us just because we asked. Seeking requires action. It's not passive and knocking will, well, knocking means we approach the door knowing that God is behind it and we refuse to stop knocking until God opens that door. We call this persistence. And Jesus teaches other parables about being persistent in our prayers. And so he encourages his disciples to pray, to pray fervently to the God who longs to be in communication with us and who longs to answer our prayers. Jesus says that everyone who asks receives Everyone who seeks, finds, and everyone who knocks will find an open door. His premise is that God is good and desires to give good gifts to his children. Now, Jesus compares earthly parents to the parent of all. And essentially, he says that despite our sinfulness, we still want to give good gifts to our children. We don't want to harm them. But how much more will God give good gifts to those who ask him? Him. Now, it is true that not all parents are good nor give good gifts to their children. There are bad parents who neglect, abuse, and mistreat their children. But most parents desire the best for their kids. And they want to give them more than what they were able to experience growing up. At the same time, when a child asks for something that's not good for them... A parent must deny the request in favor of what's best for them, even when the child gets mad and thinks that mom or dad is being mean to them and they're unfair for not giving them what they want. Parenting isn't easy. It's a huge responsibility, and in order to do what's best for them, we must discern what that is and to give appropriately. Jesus says that God is even greater than the best parents on earth. God is good and gives generously to those who ask. But I think that we all know from personal experience that God doesn't give us everything that we ask for. I mean, trust me, I have prayed for all kinds of things in my life that have not been given to me. I've prayed that the Detroit Lions would win the Super Bowl. It's never happened. In fact, they've never even made it to the Super Bowl. I have prayed that God would let me win the lottery uh, that has not happened, and it would require me probably to buy a lottery ticket. I have prayed that God would use my incredible basketball talents to further myself and others in the NBA, and I have to tell you that God answered that prayer with an emphatic no. So how am I supposed to reconcile such prayers being answered differently? Does God not care about what I pray for? I mean, wasn't Jesus' first miracle changing water to wine at a wedding in Cana in Galilee? I mean, that seems a bit trite compared to healing the sick or raising the dead. Of course God cares about what we pray for. But the real question is, what are our prayers focused on? The prayers I just shared with you were focused on me, about what I wanted. They were focused on having lots of money or attaining money and fame. 
This is about what I want, what I desire about me, not necessarily what's best for me. God didn't want me to be in the NBA. He's called me to be a pastor, which is a very different calling and a much higher calling. James says it to us this way in James 4, 3. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's a motivation issue. Jesus doesn't say that if we pray for a luxury car or even a vacation home that he's going to grant it to us. Now, we could certainly interpret his words as such here, but he talks about a parent giving a child bread and fish, things that are necessary to life. And in the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, not for an accumulation of wealth or even for an abundance of things. You see, sometimes our motives can be misplaced. We pray for things that satisfy our own desires, not necessarily those things that satisfy God's or even maybe what's best for us. Theologian N.T. Wright says it this way, But for most of us, the problem is not that we are too eager to ask for the wrong things. The problem is that we are not eager enough to ask for the right things. So it's clear that we are to seek the good gifts, the good things of God, those things that God longs to provide for us. But once again, I have to tell you, that can still leave us frustrated and confused, can it? I've prayed numerous times for people in my congregations over the years who have been ill with cancer or a life-threatening disease or illness. I've prayed for their complete physical healing, but God didn't give me what I asked for. The Lord knows that I sought and that I knocked, but instead of healing, they died. I've prayed for wars to cease, for justice when injustice looms, for the hungry and for the poor, for those suffering from natural disasters, and even for countries like India right now who's suffering from an extreme surge of COVID-19. Oftentimes my prayers aren't immediately answered as Jesus' words might indicate. So why is this? Why is it that when we move away from those selfish prayers for things that aren't good for us towards prayers that are good for others, that every prayer isn't answered with immediacy? The short and simple answer to that is I do not know. Just because I have a degree that says I'm a master of the divine, I can assure you that I am far from a master of the mystery of God. There are times that I look at my unanswered prayers wondering if God has given me a stone or a snake instead of the bread and the fish that I asked for. Yet, while I can't speak to that which I don't know, I realize, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, then we will see face to face. My vision is limited. My perspective is limited. And I must put my faith into practice knowing what the truth is. That God is good all the time and that all the time God is good. You see, death always seems to be the worst outcome, but I've seen suffering. And I've come to realize that death is also God's gracious mercy and healing. Without death, we'll never enter into the kingdom prepared for us. We'll never see face to face and experience the glory and the majesty and the peace of God who created us to be in a reconciled relationship for all eternity. 
Without death, we'll never see our loved ones who have gone before us. That great cloud of witnesses who cheer us on now from above. So I have to trust. I have to believe. I have to rely on the goodness of God even when it hurts and leaves us heartbroken. I have to have faith and trust in the goodness of God knowing that God doesn't break promises and the comfort that Jesus promises to those who mourn will indeed come. I also know that God wants justice and mercy and grace and restoration for all of humanity. So while I offer those prayers in faith, I must also trust that God will answer them in God's perfect timing. Those prayers are not rejected or unheard. They will be answered when God is ready. If God is the ultimate good, if God will give so much more than any earthly parent could give, then we must trust that God will answer these prayers for they are in God's will. As I said before, our vision is limited. I'll never forget the first time that I ever flew on an airplane. I was 22 years old. Angel and I had been married for just about a year. And um, we decided to go on a vacation with my family to to Maine. And um, my parents and my family decided to drive up in a minivan all the way from Boone, North Carolina, all the way up to Bar Harbor in Maine. And we decided that we didn't really want that family experience. So we, well, we booked a flight and then got a rental car. Because I'd never flew before, Angela was gracious to let me sit in the window seat so that I could see everything for the first time. As we took off, I have to tell you, I was scared because I'm afraid of heights. And so needless to say, I'm not in control whenever I'm in an airplane and I can't drive it myself, which is probably a good thing. As we got up in the air, it was amazing to look out the window and see just how small everything is from above. But as we began to land and once we almost reached our destination, I heard the pilot tell us that we were preparing our descent and finally, the landing gear was deployed. Now, all I could see from my window at the time was the ocean. And we continued to descend. And all I could see from my seat was the ocean. And we got closer and closer. And all I could see was the ocean. And at this point, it was quite disturbing that I was the only one on the plane who seemed to be concerned about this. Everyone was reading their books that they had brought or sleeping or acting like nothing else was going on. And we got really, really low and all I could see was the ocean. And at that point, I began to pray because I knew that this was the end. And then all of a sudden, before we landed, we took a sharp turn and we touched down on the runway at the airport. The fear that had overcome me was finally relieved. Apparently, the pilots had a different vantage point. They could see the runway where I could only see the ocean from my seat. And I had to trust that the pilots knew what they were doing. And it wasn't very comfortable for me at all, but it turned out to be just fine in the end. So friends, as we offer our prayers to God, we must also trust that God will answer our prayers for what is best. That God can see far beyond what we can see and that God knows what we need or desire even before we ask it. You see, God doesn't desire to crash us into the ocean. God seeks to guide us safely to our destination. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ask, seek, knock. This is what Jesus commands us to do. God will be God. God will be good and God will give good gifts to his children. And as God does so, whether we understand it or not, we are called to give good gifts too. Jesus concludes this by saying that we are to do to others as we would have them do unto us. We call this the golden rule. God gives us his goodness and we are to embody the goodness of God with one another. You know, Jesus says this a little earlier in his Sermon on the Mount when he says that we are to shine our light. He says, in the very same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to shine our light so that people may see our good deeds, our good gifts, and they will know that it comes from the source of all good, our Father in heaven. Friends, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Our parent and our pilot is always guiding us to what's best in our lives. And so may we never, ever forget this. And may we ask and seek and knock. And as we seek, that we would also seek to share God's goodness in our lives with those that God places in our lives together. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.